0: Paywall, that's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. Coke and I am preparing for this show have been talking a lot about paywalls, thinking about the sporting class shows that we've recorded with Skipper and about the streaming services and all of the new apps that you all can get, that I get to trying to keep track of what I'm streaming, what I'm bundling, what I'm paying per month, feeling like you're getting nickeled and dimed and it just automatically renews like Columbia Records. And it occurred to me that It's time now for you all to realize, and for me to realize, there's no going back. Paywalls are our present and our future. You deciding what you wanna watch, when you wanna watch it, comes at a price. And the question will always be, what are you willing to pay to watch what you wanna watch? And at what point does the price become too big that the inflection point happens and you say, you know what, I'm going to cut my expenses here and I will pass on watching this event or that event. The reason why it's been in our head is that the number one story of 2023, and we told you from the beginning it would be number one and it has been, it is still number one, and that is the bankruptcy of Diamond. You may know it as Bally's regional sports networks. They've got baseball teams, hockey teams, basketball teams. And we've talked about what it meant. When these teams, me included, signed TV deals, local broadcast revenue deals, these are a huge part of our PL. And the thought always was that there's no bubble. It's gonna keep going forever because people love live content and sports is the last remaining what we used to call DVR proof item. But then about $10 billion later, Diamond realized that the reason why they were able to spend so much money on teams is that they were getting so much money from cable companies to carry the channels because the cable companies were getting so much money from people who would buy cable, basic cable, tier table, top tier cable. And then all of a sudden, people were getting rid of cable. Subscribers were leveling off and then declining at a rapid pace. And therefore, these networks, the broadcast networks, the RSNs, were simply not getting the money they thought in but they were still paying the money they were contractually obligated to pay out to the teams when your inflow is less than your outflow and that continues you go bankrupt you've heard me say my favorite line hey we lose a dollar per unit but don't worry we'll make it up on volume the joke of that philosophy is if you lose a dollar on a unit and you make a hundred units you're going to lose a hundred dollars And then people say, no, no, David, it's the economies of scale. And I say, no, no, you're losing a dollar per unit. It doesn't matter how many units you make. And so the networks said, eh, I can't pay my mortgage, which is a business, that's personal mortgage. Business is debt service. When you borrow money, you have to pay interest, much like a mortgage. I can't pay my bills. I'm gonna go bankrupt. I'm gonna reorganize. Meanwhile, part of reorganizing is figuring out what new deals you can cut with what teams. It helps you while you've got the stain of chapter 11 in your past, or personally, it could be chapter seven. Some people don't care if they go bankrupt. Some people don't care if they have bad credit ratings. Some people just don't wanna pay their credit card bills. And once you say you're gonna reorganize, you then have a judge overlooking everything you do You've got a creditor's committee. Those are the people who are owed money that you're not paying. They lent you money, you can't pay them back instead of killing you. They're going to help you figure out how you're going to sell your assets or start making money in different places so they can get their money back. It's like when a bank forecloses your house, they don't care what the value of your house is. They only care that they get paid back whatever amount of money your mortgage was. That's why people like buying houses and cars in foreclosure because banks are not meant to maximize the value of the underlying asset. They're meant to get back to even and move on to the next loan. So there's a lot of interested parties watching the reorganization. Part of the reorganization is meeting with the leagues and figuring out which teams you are going to continue to cover. And we saw last year teams like the Padres were dropped and then mlb started producing them word came out yesterday that mlb and diamond they are close to a deal for 2024. i want to explain why that happens major league baseball owners want to know what their revenue is going to be they sit in owners meetings and they say to the commissioner thank you for everything you do all the national deals you cut all of the great sponsorship dollars that you have, all of the great money you get from playing international games. But do me a favor, can you just give me a number? How many tens of millions of dollars are you gonna distribute to each of the 30 teams, and when will you make that distribution? Owners like certainty. Anybody who owns something would love certainty of revenue. When you're in the customer service business, or when you're in a big box retail, or you're in a corner market or a corner furniture store, you make an estimate as to the number of people who are going to walk in your door, buy online, buy inside your store. You calculate your expenses of having people run the store, what the rent is of the store where you are and figure out if it's even worth it to have a regular walk-in presence, or do we just switch to online? All of that is done because the people who own the business are looking for certainty. MLB owners said to the commissioner, negotiate with Diamond and figure out what the heck they're doing. Are they keeping the Braves, the Reds, the Guardians, the Tigers, the Royals, the Angels, the Marlins, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Rays, the Rangers, or are they not? Do you remember when the NBA season started, a deal was announced that Diamond was going to carry all the NBA teams for this current season But then for next season, all of the rights are going to revert. The digital rights are reverting back to the NBA. The reason why that's such an important point is MLB's dream is to have all digital rights of all 30 teams that they can then package nationally as a way to increase the amount of revenue that is shared between the haves and the have-nots. There's a problem with MLB's plan And that there are certain teams that will never give over their digital rights, like the Yankees, like the Red Sox. And when you're going out and selling your league's digital rights, it would be the equivalent of Don Garber of Major League Soccer going to Apple and saying, we would like to sell you all the digital rights to MLS, except for the team where Messi plays. Is that going to impact the amount of money you give? And Apple would say, I'm only giving you that money because of Messi. So it is critical for all 30 teams to give their digital rights to the commissioner and the commissioner's office. And short of that, why bother? That said, the deal that MLB and Diamond are working on is a deal that would have Diamond cover all the aforementioned teams for one year. And then after 2024, While not announced, my guess is all the digital rights for all 11 of those teams would revert back to Major League Baseball. So the court and the judge who's involved in the reorganization, their job is to make sure that Diamond is cutting the best possible deal for its creditors, for its shareholders. The best possible deal is not always doing a deal with the leagues to cover all of the teams that you own rights to. Sometimes it's to do team by team, but you're also on a parallel path. And the parallel path is that you're looking for angel investors. You're looking for people who are willing to invest money into your company, who believe in your company, who can help get you out of the debt you're in and provide you with a fresh start. Yesterday, Amazon, came out rumor through leaks, through sources, that there is a possibility that Amazon would be interested in taking over all of Diamond. Wow, I was floored and here's why. Amazon Prime, you know they did the Thursday night football package and they're all excited when they get 11 million or 12 million people watching and then they did the Black Friday game and they were upset that only 9 million or 12 million or whatever number of people have watched. And they measure their investment in these live sports properties according to the conversions they get to people taking Amazon Prime and using Amazon Prime to get toilet paper delivered because that's where their real money is. That's their true business. Everything Amazon does is to get people engaged with Amazon to make their purchases on Amazon. That's their entire corporate goal. The thought is that if they take over all the regional sports networks, Amazon Prime will be the place where people go all over the country every single day during the summer, hundreds of hours of content, not just Thursday night football. And those people, will engage with their team through and behind the paywall that is Amazon Prime. So not only do you pay the monthly fee for Amazon Prime and you get movies and original series and all the great things you get, but also free Prime delivery. Is it possible that Amazon is in the market to not just take over the RSNs and MLB, but to do a national TV package with the NBA to complement their Thursday package with the NFL. It is an absolute sea change in how Amazon is willing to allocate its billions of dollars of market cap, how they're willing to basically deploy their capital in a way that drives their true bottom line because the regional sports network business is dying. And it's dying a very ugly, painful death. And the reason is the concept of the paywall, where you, as we started this show, are gonna pay for what you want and only what you want. So can Amazon be the savior for diamond? If Amazon is going to invest in Diamond, they're going to want the digital rights and they're going to want to cut a deal with MLB and Diamond that doesn't allow for the reversion of those rights back to MLB, which is something MLB doesn't want, but MLB does want the support of Amazon as a possible bidder down the line for both national rights and streaming rights. So it is a tightrope that leagues or anybody who's got something they're selling and they're selling their live content. It's a tightrope that you walk with your buyers. You want to make your product wanted, but you don't want to look desperate. Diamond, desperate. MLB, desperate. But MLB has an opportunity to hide their desperation in a way that Diamond doesn't. So where does it all end? I can't say that line without saying with tears in a journey. MLB will get a deal done with diamond for 24. Part of that deal, however, is going to have language in it that deals with the reorganization of diamond and what will happen in case of a investor like Amazon, which will in theory, keep diamond operating. There is all sorts of talk that Diamond wants to keep operating or they'd like to close up shop and get rid of all their deals. It all depends on whether they can find investors. This story is not going away. When I come up with my top things to look for in 2024 as part of mailbags next week, thank you by the way for all the questions on davidsampsonpodcast.com and David P. Sampson on Twitter. We have two mailbags that we're going to record. We've done one already. You're going to get three mailbags next week. And part of one of the mailbags will be top storylines for 2024. Spoiler alert, the continued reorganization of Diamond is going to be on the list. The Nationals and the Orioles are done fighting. It really is... uh, a major moment in the history of those franchises. The Nationals have been fighting with the Orioles since the day they became the Nationals. And they're fighting about one thing, money, obviously. Broadcast money, maybe less obvious to some of you. When the Nationals were moved from Montreal, the way that MLB got the Orioles to accept the Nationals encroachment on their home territory was that a new network was started and this is at the height of regional sports networks and it was called Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, Masson. And the Orioles had a majority ownership of Masson and it was guaranteed a deal between Masson and the Nationals. The only problem is they could not come to an agreement on what the value of the TV deal was. So they agreed to punt. And the thing about punting and procrastinating and kicking the can is eventually the bill comes due. You can live your life on credit, eventually you're either gonna have to pay or go bankrupt. The Orioles and Nationals had a deal, except when you don't know the amount of the deal, it leads to fighting. And there have been years and years of litigation between the Nats and the Orioles, and the whole subject of the litigation is how much Masson owes the Nationals. They agreed that they would negotiate every five years. Well, the Nationals and Orioles settled another five-year stretch yesterday. The five-year stretch from, I think, 16 to 21. So they're basically caught up now, finally. And it is a very big deal. And the reason it's a big deal is that the Nationals have been for sale since their patriarch, Ted Lerner, passed away. The Orioles are rumored to be for sale and are for sale. The Orioles were in the news yesterday. Coca, did you see that? This is so good. Can we go off the uh, rundown for a minute? The Orioles announced a new 30 year lease with the politicians in Baltimore with everybody exclaiming the Orioles are here to stay. They're not relocating. Thank God for small favors except guess what came out later, is that everyone was lying to you. For all of you Baltimore fans, or those of you who pay attention to stadium deals, the Orioles have an opt-out clause. And the opt-out clause is that they can get out of their lease in 15 years if they have not been granted the right to develop the area all around Camden Yards. Remember the development around ballparks that we talk about? that everybody wants to do. Inter-Miami is doing a real estate development deal that includes a soccer stadium. The Royals are trying to figure out where they can be to develop all those hundreds of acres. Ted Leonis wants to develop in Northern Virginia, so they announced that $2 billion deal. The, uh, The Chicago Bears want to develop a whole village around Arlington or wherever they bought all that land. We did a segment recently, I don't remember when it was, Coca, and the segment was all about Owners and development. The Orioles could not come to agreement with the public on them having the right to monetize the development and to do the development. And so instead of letting the lease run out on December 31st, and God forbid you negotiate till the 31st because people want Christmas break, they said, We'll kick the can. We kicked the can doing the Marlins Park deal on a bunch of things. The biggest one was Capital Reserve Fund. We kicked the can to who would invest when Marlins Park needed all sorts of renovations, let someone else worry about it. The problem when you do that is tomorrow becomes today really fast. So the Orioles might think this is great, we've got a 15-year deal, the people in Baltimore, this is great, we're all set, the Orioles are staying but the conversations and the fighting are going to continue. What is gonna happen though, is the log jam around the national sale is now free. By settling the Masson deal, getting back to the Masson deal, it's like a, a dose of fiber or special medicine that you take where you better be near a WC. Because the reason why the Nats have not been sold is the Nats had a different idea of what their TV money was and the buyers had a different idea of what their TV money was and would be. Now that you've got certainty, you're able to figure out value. Once you can figure out value, you can have a meeting of the minds about the valuation of a team. So one of the things that I expect in 2024 is the sale of the nationals. And it is something that is gonna be an interesting sale because when you look at valuations of teams, when you look at the potential bubble of valuation of teams, each data point we get gives us more information as to where we are in the cycle. So far in my life, the cycle has been only one way, up, 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 up. I haven't seen anything where that is permanent, and I would expect it not to be the case with the value of sports teams, but we're gonna have to wait and see. So before we go to break, I wanna sum up this first segment about paywall, and I want you as a favor to me. Over the next, you've got 11 days till the new year. I would like each of you listening or watching the show on Nothing Personal with David Sampson, could you just write down on a piece of paper, it can be a spreadsheet, it can be an actual piece of paper, write down the streaming services that you currently pay for, add them up, and then compare it to what you used to pay for your cable bill and then get back to me at David P. Sampson on Twitter or through davidsampsonpodcast.com. And after the new year, when we're live again, starting January 2nd, we're, we have shows all week this week, but then we're next week are mailbags. January 2nd, will be here. Sometime in that first week, I'm gonna wanna go through whether or not what I believe to be the case and what John Skipper believes to be the case, which is that you're all paying more when you thought you were going to pay less but you're doing it in a way that makes you feel better because you think you're getting more value. I am very curious what the truth will be. So get out your pens and paper and let me know. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I'm gonna tell a story answering one of your questions about Canada and some of the experiences I had uh, in going back and forth to Canada for two years with the baseball team and how Miles Bridges was not able to go to canada and we're going to review a documentary that i expect has a good chance to be nominated for best feature documentary when the oscar nominations come out in january we'll be right back the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba with same game parlays live betting odds, boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 or visit CCPG. Dot org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Fawet in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkngco Ball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you so much. Let's push toward the end of the year. Please review and subscribe and tell your friends about Nothing Personal and keep this, uh, this pretty cool thing that we have between us. We're gonna keep it going. And it's not quite as intimate as it used to be, but I still pretend it is. And I love engaging with all of you on David P. Sampson on Twitter as much as I can. And on davidsampsonpodcast.com, I answer questions as best I can. We're gonna to get to one person's question, but first I gotta review a movie. Hours are tight for me, but it really does help the two hours. I like got coke, I collapsed last night. I was pretty sure I had COVID. I wasn't gonna test. And what I realized is my body was going into just shutdown. So I slept last night from 9.30 till 1 a.m., which was, I felt, brand new. It's like a new day. The movie that I watched yesterday was a documentary called Little Richard, I Am Everything. Raise your hand if you heard of Little Richard. Good golly, Miss Molly. I'd heard of Little Richie. I was born in 1968. My jam is 80s music. I like 70s and 90s and 2000s, but really 80s is where it's at. Give me something, give me level 42 in the Blow Monkeys, and I'm a happy guy. So I knew Little Richard, but it turns out, I didn't know anything. Did you know that Little Richard, along with Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis Presley and Fats Domino and Chuck Berry are the true fathers of rock and roll? Did you know that Little Richard basically started the careers of the Rolling Stones and the Beatles? Did you know that Little Richard never got recognized by the Grammys? And when he won an American Music Award, Lifetime Achievement, basically used it as an opportunity to say, why does everyone not treat me with respect? Like Rodney Dangerfield. I learned more about Little Richard in that documentary than I ever thought I would need to know, and it turns out I should have known all of it. And it made me think about something that, again, maybe you all think about. Ego. How important is it for people to know what you do and what you've done? Is it only for public figures? Is it only for artists? Why can't it be for people inside a business or a family business or a parent? Why are there some people who demand recognition and some people are fine without recognition? And it got me thinking about myself and my ego and how my ego gets satiated, which it's insatiable, but how it gets satiated with doing a show like this and the the honor of having a platform like this. And it made me think about sometimes on Levitard when I'm crying out for more attention or upset that I'm not getting treated fairly. And I wonder whether I come off like Little Richard, because I don't know that I want to. However, he is an icon, a legend, and so great that maybe it's okay to come off like that If you are of that ilk, but if you come off like that and you're not of that ilk, then, oy, that's a bad look. So this was my 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. situation last night as I was trying to figure out, can I walk the line? Is there a way? Let me know because I think I try. Little Richard, I am everything. Literally, that's what he views of himself. It's outstanding. I do think it should be nominated. It's one of the best documentaries I've seen this year. And he deserves for us to at least know what he's done. Little Richard. Thanks, Little Richard. All right, Coca, play that funky music. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. All right, there's a movie called Half-Baked. And if you get really, really baked and watch it, you will laugh your kishkas off. And inside that movie, there's a character named Samson. and People wanna talk to him. Wanna talk to me? Give me your questions. Hi, David. Hello. Thank you for the many years of incredible sports education. That's one way to get your question right on the air. Ego. Will Miles Bridges have his pay withheld by the Hornets because his criminal behavior resulted in his denial of entry to Canada? Did you hear about this? One of the things about having teams in Canada, you know, it happened during COVID, but it happens all the time. There is a border between Canada and the United States of America. And that requires you to cross a border to play a basketball game, even though they are in the National Basketball Association. It is real. When I was with the Expos for two years, we crossed out of Canada into Canada. We had to fill out back then, you actually had to fill out customs forms. APER customs forms, if you remember those. And then you go through border patrol. The way it works in Canada is when you're going to the US, you go through US border patrol in Canada. So when you land, you just go to wherever you are in America. When you're going to Canada, you land in Canada and you go through border control before you can get out of the Pierre Trudeau or Dorval, as I called it, or Mirabel, whatever the airports are in Canada that you're flying into. The way teams travel to Canada is that the traveling secretary, when you've got a trip to Toronto or to Montreal, the traveling secretary gives you an itinerary for the upcoming trip. On the itinerary in big, bold letters. Bring your passport. We then fill out the customs forms for the players. But we also say, don't bring drugs. Little note there. Don't cross a border with drugs if you've ever seen Midnight Express. Not worth it. Go get pencil shavings in whatever island you're on. Don't bring drugs overseas. Next, anybody have a record? We know in advance our players and their status. We know their legal status. Miles Bridges is currently on probation. Miles Bridges, Remember when he had the domestic violence issue against the mother of his children and there was a protective order filed against him. He couldn't go near her and then he did. And then he got in trouble. Well, Canada decided that they were not going to allow Miles Bridges into their country. When we get word that a player is not going to be allowed and we don't get the word at the border, this is important to understand. The Charlotte Hornets, is that their name? Do I have, I, I did this wrong last time. I call them the Bobcats. The Charlotte Hornets. They knew going to Toronto to play the Raptors. They didn't have to land in Toronto and have Miles Bridges turned around at the border. They knew in advance that he was not going to be allowed. Why? Because we're in contact with our connections in Canada, with our border connections, and when there's a problem, we find out. And the only thing we ask of our players and of our staff is no surprises. One time, one time at Bandcamp, we were traveling to Montreal and we had someone working in the clubhouse, got caught with a bunch of drugs, was denied entry. We had to fire him, of course. And all I said was, how could you be so stupid? There's equal access to drugs both north and south of the border. There's no reason to travel with them. And every once in a while, they're going to check our bags. We've told players that. We tell staff that. Miles Bridges did not suffer from that issue. So when the Hornets found out that he wouldn't be accepted in, they spoke to their coach, Steve Clifford, and they said, do me a favor when you're asked about it, just say he's not available to play. That is not how I would want my coach to answer that question. Instead, I want my coach to say exactly what's happening. Miles Bridges is not allowed in Canada because of his behavior in the United States and because of his current legal issues. It makes you look ridiculous when everyone knows the reason yet you are unwilling to comment. Yes, I'm out for the year. No, I didn't have surgery, it wasn't Tommy John. I just had my elbow reconstructed. You lose credibility. What you also lose if you're Miles Bridges is money. Teams have a choice whether or not to pay a player for a game missed that they cannot attend because under the uniform player contract, when a player is not available to play and it's not because of injury, they are allowed to not pay that player, to suspend that player. There is a mechanism within the collective bargain agreement that allows for a fine, if you will. My view was always very simple. We pay you to play 162 games, period. I am sorry that you have family issues, but guess what? So do every, So does everybody else. I'm sorry that you're upset or not in the mood or not feeling great. Do your job. Self-inflicted problems are not my favorite kind. And that goes all the way on the field. If you make a physical error, it is what it is. A mental error, not excusable to me. Miles Bridges not being able to go to Canada is simply because Miles Bridges did something that stopped him from doing his job, 182nd of his job. I would absolutely withhold his pay. And it's not because of the criminal behavior, it's because he wasn't available to do his job. Now, some owners don't want that. Some owners would like to keep paying the players. They don't want the players to be upset. It's not their fault. I have a totally different view. It's totally Miles Bridges' fault, and he should have to pay the consequences. (sighs) Okay. When I took the Pistons, I told you I was going to keep taking the Pistons. Do you remember that? Nothing personal pick of the day. Hold on. Wait. I'm getting something right now, Coco. We are live. Nothing personal pick of the day brought to you by... Hold on. I just lost service. Nothing personal pick of the day is brought... It won't even download. Is brought to you by... I'm not sure who. Hello, anybody out there? We had the Pistons plus 11 and a half versus the Hawks and they covered. They lost, of course, but they covered. And now I don't have to take the Pistons anymore. Thank the Lord. So with the Eagles up 17-13, the Pistons having covered, we've got an undefeated night happening. Everything's coming up roses. I make up for my crappy weekend. And then all of a sudden, Oliver Luck, give me the name. God dang it, Coca. Oliver Luck is Andrew Luck's father, the guy who's fighting with Vince McMahon over the XFL. Drew Luck, Drew Luck. <laughs> I was close. Drew Luck leads Pete Carroll to a victory, the type of victory that Pete Carroll, I don't think has had in his entire fantastic Hall of Fame career. And the Seahawks not only cover against the Eagles, they freaking beat them. So we're 191 and 184 after a one-to-one day we're going after money tonight. money. we're going to do a punt parlay. the bucks are about 37 point favorites over the san antonio spurs who stink, but we're taking them on the money line. now you're going to think that's not much value, but we're parlaying them with the golden state warriors to beat the celtics. therefore, that's a parlay of plus 204. so bucks warriors money line parlay. let me tell you why i like the warriors tonight over the celtics. Did you see what is going on with Draymond Green? We did a segment where we told you that he was suspended. We thought it would be under five games. It's over five games. He's in counseling. There's some sort of something he's gotta do to get reinstated. Yesterday it was announced, leaked more like it, that Draymond Green has started counseling and is likely to miss the next three weeks. As a veteran of counseling of every kind, The only thing I've ever solved in three weeks is learning my left from my right. That's about it. Or the best way to get to the therapist's office or to get on Zoom. It it reminds me of the John Morant days. Yes, John Morant's got problems. He went away for five days and he's cured. I've never heard of such a thing. You think a lifetime of Draymond Green's anger is gonna be taken care of by meeting up with Jack Nicholson and Adam Sandler, doing a little anger management class with John Turturro jumping on top of you? Maybe. I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty. If you know, you know. So Draymond Green has three weeks to fix himself, then get reinstated. I keep wondering whether that's it for Draymond Green. I wonder whether or not there is so much squeeze for so little juice that finally, Steve Kerr and the rest of the warriors are gonna say he used to be the glue and now he's the rubber cement and it's cracking. I don't think they're gonna release him. I think that it's more likely they're gonna trade him because they sure as hell can't tell you that they're gonna rehabilitate him. That's what they're gonna get done three weeks. That's it, I'm good. Madam Curie, Mary Curie, man, I'm cured. So the Warriors without Draymond Green are tremendous, tremendous dogs against the best team in basketball. I just feel like Del Curry's son, I think he's had enough. Remember his three-point streak got broken last game. I think he had gone like 27 years hitting a three in every game. And then two nights ago, he went 0 for 9 maybe and didn't hit a three. I'm looking for Steph Curry. What's his over under coca and points? I don't know if you have that handy but that may be a little side shtup I wanna do. The other player who's back tonight, well, Draymond's not, so it's not the other player, 4869. Guess who's back tonight? The greatest player from the Zion Williamson draft class, John ja Morant. This is it, you remember he got suspended for the first 25 games of the season? Well, we're there. John ja Morant will make his season debut against Zion Williamson and the Pelicans. You think Zion Williamson doesn't wanna kick John Moran's butt? You think John Moran doesn't wanna come in and be the savior of the Grizzlies, who are off to a terrible start when they were supposed to be good? Well, we're taking the Pelicans six and a half over the Grizzlies, and I got news for you. I would have taken them 10 over the Grizzlies. So our picks today, Bucks Warriors, Moneyline Parlay, Pelicans six and a half over the Grizzlies, And just an added bet so I can get back to 10 over. Steph Curry is 20 over 28 and a half. We're taking the over. Steph Curry is going to go O-double-F against the Celtics. All right, what are you all doing next August, September? Anybody want to go to Brazil? Did you see that from last night? the NFL who plays all their international games. It's been another great source of content for nothing personal. We've told you about NFL international. They want to rule the world. They, Roger Goodell, you're the turtle. He wants to climb up on the backs of every single concussed player. And whatever he sees, he wants to rule. They've agreed to double the amount of international games with the Cowboys saying, I'll only go to Mexico City. Well, There's a game in Sao Paulo, and if you've never been to Sao Paulo, we just went to the F1 race with my traveling group of merry idiots, the Cultural Exchange Club, and Sao Paulo's quite a place to go. So, what came out yesterday is the NFL may change their philosophy on international games and start the season internationally. And I had the greatest smile, because finally, Football is copying baseball. It's all we ever wanted. All we ever wanted as the young stepchild of the NFL was to somehow do something well enough where the NFL would say, oh, that seems like a good idea. Major League Baseball has been starting seasons overseas like in, they're starting in Korea this March. Did you know that? That Shohei Otani's first game as a Dodger will not be at Dodger Stadium. It will be in Korea. March 20th and 21st, the Dodgers and Padres have a two game series. It's regular season. And what they do is they play overseas. It counts for the regular season. Then they come home, play some spring training games, and then start the season again when everybody else does. And so the thought is that when you start a season that way, it's sort of an exciting thing for fans. It starts early, they're sort of ready. NFL wants to go week one in Brazil. And they're going to, it makes perfect sense. The total time change between Miami and Brazil is zero or one hour. It's not like going to Asia or to Europe. There's no jet lag, it's just a long flight, but they have lie down seats, they'll be fine. And the reason why the Dolphins are believed to be the team that's going to play in Brazil is the Dolphins actually have marketing rights in Brazil. Do you remember, MLB doesn't do this, they don't give away areas to teams, but we told you when the Chiefs went to, oh, for crying out loud, Coca, did the Chiefs just go to Germany and that's where they've got the rights? Frankfurt? I think that's where it was. And Germ- and, and the Chiefs brought their, their houseboat and they had all these activations, and I told you that it really doesn't add a dollar of value to the team and it really doesn't add much revenue. But the Dolphins, much like the Marlins always wanted Cuba. Hey, when Cuba opens up, we want the Marlins to be assigned to Cuba. Let us go play there, let us be a part of it. The Dolphins are doing that and it makes sense geographically. They wanna own South America, Central America for whatever reason. But that said, NFL gives marketing rights away to teams and the marketing rights in Brazil are the Dolphins. So if you're gonna have your first ever game in Brazil, why are people even wondering whether it will be the Dolphins? Of course it's gonna be the Dolphins. It makes no sense for it to be anyone but the Dolphins. So, for all of you Dolphin fans who are worried that you're gonna lose a home game, for all of the people who subscribe to the Jerry Jones philosophy of international, not us. We're the Dolphins. We sell out every game. I mean, sometimes people are dressed as green seats, but we sell out. Sometimes they're cheering for the other team, but we sell out. We got a dedicated, devoted fan base, and we may even be in the Super Bowl this year. For all of you who are wondering how that's going to work, two comments. The game in Brazil will lead off the NFL season, and the Dolphins will be in the game. So I'm going to do a wait to see When I tell you something's gonna happen, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. We got a few wrong. Coca, uh, I'm filing an official protest with you. The wait to see that you told me I got wrong about Taylor Swift. Someone got to me in my DMs at David P. Samson on Twitter and said, are you sure you lost that wait to see? Because maybe the game was flexed because Taylor Swift couldn't go to the Monday game but could go to the Sunday game. And I said, that's what I said. So Coke, I'm filing an official protest and I wanna go to the independent arbitrator. John McHale, are you available? Wait to see, the Dolphins will play in the Brazil game. Why? Because for the Dolphins and for the NFL, it's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Nothing Personal.